Nairobi has a hum to it, a quiet bustling of things happening for themselves. Occasionally, the air will be thicker with red soil, its smell reaching the back of your throat. If you look carefully, the tree leaves will be covered in a layer of red dust. If you continue to observe, you will see that Nairobi is under construction. Bridges are being built, roads extended, billboards advertising new properties reaching out to you. But considering the plight of the women of Mukuru, I found myself asking this question. For whom is development for in Nairobi? This is a story about land and it reflects events and changes taking place on policy levels, trickling down to affect the events of the township or slums of Mukuru. In Mukuru, on October and December 2021, homes were destroyed. By homes, we mean homes of people, of women, men, children, old people, young people, artists. Inside these homes were books, plates, stoves, clothing, paintings, food, livelihoods, belonging, dignity, safety, and all one can imagine as home. Today we are at the Mukuru Open Sky Kitchen. By open sky, I mean that all the cooking that takes place around the kitchen happens outside. I sit with Jane, Mary, and Patrick as we discuss the birth of this kitchen and how we are here today. <laughs> I'm Jane Weru. I work with Akiba Mashinani Trust as the executive director. And just this week, we started cooking in Mukuru. We opened a community kitchen and uh, the food systems program, research program that is um, headed by TMG and supported by TMG. And we are very, very excited. My name is Patrick Njaroge and I work for Akiba Machinani Trust, our programs manager. And uh, as Jane says, we're excited about the community kitchen. We have already started cooking and we are looking forward to continue this journey of the, of the kitchen and expanding it and working with the women. My name is Mary Wamboy. I work for Akiba Machinani Trust as a program manager. This is a, a community kitchen that we have recently started at Mukuru, a place specifically called Mukuru Kwajenga. It is a place that has experienced demolitions recently. A huge population of the people are now living in tents and obviously the most affected are the women and children and especially the very young children. So this community kitchen is first a response to that situation. It is where, uh, somewhere that at least the women and the children can be able to get at least one meal a day. It is a kitchen that is run by women who are living in the tents. They are the ones who have experienced a lot of challenges uh, from that situation. The first is that they do not have the ability to continue feeding their families so most of them have not been able to 
or continue having meals or even a meal a day. So another challenge, the spaces that they have right now, the tents get very cold at night. So the children uh, experience a lot of uh, cold. So obviously it's even worse if the child has slept on an empty stomach. Mary, please tell us how this kitchen was born. So, during our meeting, our initial meetings with the women, uh, we had very interesting conversations. I think the first day when we introduced this idea of the community kitchen, the women almost completely refused. <laughs> they had their own reasons and they said, no, we do not want a community kitchen. We want food to be distributed to us and we will cook in our tents. Because we think if we cook this food, people from outside will come and eat our food. Then we will not have any food for us. So we will be benefiting other people from other communities and not the community that has been affected by the demolitions. But anyway, after the women understood that they would take charge of the kitchen, they would be the ones to cook, they would be the ones to serve their families and the community, they were happy and they were warm to the idea. So moving forward, to the selection of the menu it was a very <laughs> interesting conversation even coming up with the type of for example beans that they would cook yeah so and even the days when particular meals would be cooked for example they they were adamant that giveri has to be cooked on sunday <laughs> giveri is a mixture is actually a mixture of boiled beans and and uh, and maize. They also uh, decided that they would on they would want because the kitchen provides one meal a day. So they selected dinner. Their reason was even if the child has not eaten breakfast and lunch but is able to have dinner then they are confident that in the morning when they are going to school at least their stomachs are still full so there's a lot of uh, like push and pull between the women when selecting uh, the menu others wanted to select a different kind of beans uh, some thought some beans were gassier than others, uh, some beans cooked faster than others. What is your dream of a community kitchen? Mm. Our first dream for this kitchen is that it is a place that provides sustenance to this community. It is a place where people can come together and fellowship because um, many of the people who are evicted are traumatized. They've lost everything. 
their homes, their businesses. And it is a place where they can come together and just talk and uh, support each other. And it is a place where they can begin to rebuild their lives. So that is my first dream for this kitchen. I think my dream for the community kitchen, for now, I already there's something that I see that is very positive about the kitchen. The story of demolitions really never gets light, even if you hear it every day. <laughs> you never hear it tomorrow and say it's lighter. But I can see the sparkle when we are talking about the community kitchen with the women. That hope of having that meal already. It may not do a hundred percent for the situation, but I can see but I can see the smile on their faces when they discuss the food that they are going to eat on that day. So already that on its own is a very good thing. Yeah, in a kitchen, when we have the conversations with the women, they are together. It's something that brings them together. And beyond those conversations, they're able to speak about other issues, especially affecting the children. It's where they know whose child is not going to school. And they say what the reason is. So my dream is to make this community kitchen a platform for Mukuru women to come together, cook, eat, make a livelihood, but even more maybe interesting, be a place where they make their story where women sit talk about themselves yeah and be happy and feel like women yeah that's what I, that's my dream yeah my dream for the community kitchen is to see the women working together uh, using the kitchen as a center for unity to rebuild their lives again to use the kitchen to be able to advocate to advocate for what they lost, to get back their land, to get back their houses. We hope the kitchen can be able to feed the children that are in the nearby schools. The women can be cooking for the, for the children, especially the young children in the ECDs. And they can partner with the schools to create a system where they, they make sure the, the schools are getting nutritious food. Hope also the kitchen can be a center for other projects that are, can be beneficial to the women. This is a more maybe philosophical question, so feel free to draw back from the past, draw back from now, and even to draw back towards the future. There's this concept of which questions, you know, what are you dishing up? And this concept of washing off, which is this practice of the physical practice of making sure that the plate that you are using to dish up food is clean because eating from a dirty plate of food is a bad practice. Mm. So then in a more philosophical sense, what is it that you want to wash off through this kitchen and what is it that you want to dish up Thank you very much. I think first of all it's a fact that um, Mukuru is an informal settlement 
that uh, has been built on land that is private land and uh, where people are squatters and where the state to a large extent and for very many years has not invested until very recently. So we find one of the largest communities in the city of about 400,000 people. That's about 100,000 households living on land that doesn't belong to them. They're like refugees in their own country. And because of this, we have a very little investment in social amenities, very little investment in schools. So Mukuru, despite the large numbers and despite the fact that it has the most marginalized people in Nairobi, has only six public schools and over 120 private, informal and registered schools. So what this means is that the state does not provide the universal free basic education that is the right of every Kenyan child in Mukuru. And the provision of universal free basic education comes with resources because under the free primary basic education program, the state provides teachers, it builds schools, it provides reading material, teaching materials. But for Mukuru, the poorest section of the city, nothing from the state. And so the poorest in our city get the least support. And this is what needs to change. This is the plate that must be made clean We work in, a, in an area where the formal and informal sectors have huge disparities. Where the formal is well organized, but the informal uh, lacks the services that are required. Uh, they lack proper planning, there's lack of basic services uh, such as water, electricity, access to good schools. There is uh, inequality in our society that sometimes the government have oversight on and we have a situation where government is more interested in the formal areas more than the informal areas. For instance, in Nairobi, which is the capital city of Kenya, there's a population of 4.7 million people. Out of the 4.7 million, 60% of that population lives in the informal settlements. That 60% occupy only about 2.6 of the entire land space in Nairobi. They're the majority, but yet they're squeezed in small, small lands in Nairobi. This percentage of people are the ones which are, who offer the support system for the city. It's a city where its fabric is disconnected between formal and informal, and it's something that we need to wash off. So we really need to look at the disconnect and close it off. We really need to give more emphasis to the marginalized because they're the ones who require the most help. I think I'm very passionate about this 
public education must be provided so that we break the intergenerational poverty that we see in Mukuru. You have a family, a, a, a young person, a child that is born in Mukuru. His parents were in Mukuru and you see, begin to see third and fourth generations living in informal settlement. That, that must be broken. And that must be broken by state intervention. And all of us in this city saying that we don't want our city to be this way. So that is what I, that is what I would like to see change. In terms of food, um, I believe strongly that, that every child should have a decent plate of food when they need it. And um, <laughs> my mother used to tell me that, Jane, don't worry about getting 10 children. When a child comes, they comes with a plate from God. <laughs> and that is the truth. A child should come with a plate that must be filled, not only, that must be filled by its parents. And if the parents are not able, that plate must be filled by society. That plate must be filled by government. Because a child, you cannot hold a child responsible for the provision of food. They don't have the capacity. That child must eat and eat well. And therefore, for this city, my prayer is that the state will take responsibility because this is the future workforce of this country. And if it is not well fed, we all know that those children will be wasted and they'll be stunted, they'll be unable to learn, and our future will be compromised. The workforce that we are so proud of as Kenyans will be will be will be compromised and therefore that I pray that we as a city can be able to provide proper meals to all children in informal settlements so that we safeguard our future and build hope for this country and this city. Thinking back to the visioning workshop co-facilitated with the Mukuru women, the fundamental question that was asked was, why a kitchen? And here with some of the responses from the women. Togetherness, unity, collaboration, to support each other, make it a center for other community projects, plant our own vegetables and keep poultry, make it a center for emotional support, table banking to rebuild our businesses, training on cooking skills, to use the skills to offer outside catering for self-sustenance, make it a source of livelihood, moral support, resource mobilization, savings to empower and loan ourselves. During this workshop, with the women sitting outside in a circle under the shade of a large tree, I could see an invisible thread connecting each woman to the kitchen. The kitchen is a sense of hope. 
a reimagination of the future of the women and that of Muguru. This kitchen, as Jane Weru passionately put it, is resistance. My name is Sanelisi Wenyaba. I would like to thank Mary, Patrick, and Jane for giving voices to their stories and the story of the women of Mukuru, the Mukuru Open Sky Kitchen. I would like to thank TMG for contributing to this work. I would like to thank Zolani Mfiso and Hazel Nyaba for providing the music. Please follow our Facebook page, Food Agency Cape Town, our Instagram, Food Agency Cape Town, and now our Twitter, Food Agency CPT.